Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime, Neil Kulong, to my left. What's up, Big Neil? It's a winter wonderland where I am, Lance. Slush, sleet, snow, rain, it's all coming down. Traffic is abysmal. I am way behind on the day, but I made it here 10 minutes early. You might have noticed that. You did. I, I was startled. I was shocked. It's crazy. It's crazy. I am startled and shocked over the possibility of Mitch Trubisky starting another game for the Steelers. That might happen. What also might happen, Lance, and Steelers coach Mike Tomlin did not close the door on this, there is a possibility we will have a Mason Rudolph sighting at some point come Sunday. It's not what we want. This is not what we want to discuss leading into a joyful, peaceful Christmas season. (laughs) But this is where we are. This is Steelers football, baby. 2022. We're not discussing the playoffs anymore. (laughs) We're talking about the ultimate decision of starting an NFL game with either Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph under center. Not that Kenny Pickett has been ruled out, mind you. We won't know. It'll be a little bit, but we'll figure this out eventually. And uh, they're going to take on the all-of-a-sudden frisky kitties, the Carolina Panthers, this weekend in Charlotte, where I'm sure the weather is nicer than where I am. That's that's a new one. I never heard that frisky kitties. I like it's because that. they're never frisky. They're usually <laughs> terrible. <laughs> They're winning games now. <laughs> Nobody knows why or how. The frisky kitties, usually they're on their catnip. But with that, and I'm glad you talked about that, Neil, at the top of the show about Mason Rudolph. It's almost as if Mason Rudolph uh, makes an appearance. It's almost like seeing Yeti. And we almost, <laughs> and we see your Yeti in the, uh, on the show he's more than we see on the street uh, right now. Yeah, yeah. As we see more, uh, your Yeti than we see Mason Rudolph. Cause the title of this week's show is called if no picket, then who we want to climb into that very question. Big up to everybody that's joined us this nippy early morning, seven fifteen AM sharp. Thank you. Everybody that hopped on, please like, and subscribe. If you want to find the show, go to YouTube, do a search for The New Standard. You can also find us on podcasts by doing a search for The New Standard Steelers and or Lance Williams and Neil Kulong. So go to your, your favorite way in which you get your podcast and please give us a subscribe. Also want to give a big shout out. Uh, we had a couple show sponsors and you'll find the information uh, on that. It's a clothing line that was started by uh, Max Starks and James Ferrier. Uh, so go get that information. Um, I think it's called Starrier. Starrier. I can't pronounce it. Uh, but please check that out. Also, a friend of mine and a friend of the family's uh, Westbrook Watches is coming out with a signature watch line. He's also a Pittsburgher. So make sure you go support both of those companies and hit the link. You'll find it below in the description in YouTube. So I want to start the show out with Neil's Nuggets. What are some of your Nuggets? Uh, Something that we didn't talk about on Sunday that upon rewatch you noticed or you might want to bring up at the top of the program. Let's jump into Neil's Nuggets. Not entirely sure there was a whole lot of uh, difference enough that I I will say this. I felt that uh, Miles Jack played a worse game uh, than what he probably did. 
we weren't uh, completely embarrassed by that. But uh, you know who looked a lot worse than I thought he did was our old buddy, Devin Bush. And I want to talk about Bush for a minute. That sounded bad. I want to talk about Devin Bush, the linebacker, for a minute. <laughs> there, this is crunch time for Bush. The, the situation that he is in, um, he is a pending free agent with the Steelers. He is coming off uh, this, basically a contract year for him as his fifth-year option was not picked up. He is playing uh, for payday. And he said this, and we all know that it's true. It's just kind of annoying to hear it from the player himself. He's got to play somewhere next season. The level of contract that he gets has to be largely factored into how he performs the last couple weeks. He's kind of gone downhill a little bit. He has not played as well uh, the last couple weeks as he had earlier in the season. Makes you wonder again if this is an injury thing, if something else is going on. This can be due in part to a Steelers defensive line that is falling apart. Um, Another nugget that leads into this is, I feel anyway, uh, defensive lineman Chris Wormley, defensive end Chris Wormley, uh, played a pretty solid game. He might have been one of the few defensive players who, who stood out in this game. They lost him to a knee injury. We would expect him to be placed on injured reserve, or did that happen already? I, I think it I might have missed already. it. Uh, he's he's on or going to be on injured reserve. He is definitely not coming back uh, for the remainder of the season. The Steelers signed. I don't know if you saw this, Lance. I did. Jonathan Marshall, a former six round pick out of Arkansas, very very athletic player on a deep defensive line team with the Jets, could be an interesting pickup. Along with that, the Steelers also signed. Ola Adenihi, you might remember him from preseason glory of the past. He's been with the Steelers before. Bounced around, stayed in the league, looks primarily like a special teams player, um, unless he's on the Steelers, in which case he might be a starter. We aren't sure exactly what that move indicates, but uh, that does give them a plus two. Um, And the minus one for Wormley, there might be another move coming, depending on what they're doing with the practice squad. The point, why this all leads into Devin Bush is they are having to make all of these moves due to injury and due to ineffective play along the defensive line. That's going to impact your linebackers. When your linebackers, though, can't get off blocks, are very quick to put them in position to be taken out of plays, which is what I saw of Devin Bush primarily in this game, not only is your run defense going to suffer tremendously the way the Steelers uh, are, are seeing right now, but you're not going to get paid a whole lot next season. Because here's the thing. If you're a linebacker in the NFL and you don't defend the run well, you better be a damn plus pass defender. And I don't think Devin Bush is that either. So do you want to bring him back? I Honestly, at this point, I don't know. I think familiarity uh, at the right price, I wouldn't be surprised to see them look to, to lock him up on something. But when his ceiling is set as high as it is as a first-round pick and a market that is probably not going to evaluate him as severely as Steelers fans do, there might be a little bit of competition. The Steelers will set a price for him and probably tell him, look, go out and get better if that's what you want. This is what we're offering you. If you don't get that, though, come on back. This is what we have in mind for you. Yeah, what – I'm sorry. Did I cut you off, Neil? Uh, Well, make your point because I'm going to segue off of that. With Devin Bush and you ask an interesting question about 
or you pose a general interesting question about him returning. It, there is a precedent at least now for uh, with Edmonds, with a player coming back who was a first-round draft pick who did not sign a long-term contract that came back on a one-year after uh, not being offered, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, the fifth-year option. So there, there is a precedent for that uh, to hold water in terms of your roster and bring back a player that's familiar. But you lay out some very good points as people in the chat start coming up with different nicknames uh, Devin Bush, Whack, uh, Devin Fuzz, uh, all types of different interesting plays on his name. But that is a question. I could see the Steelers going both ways, depending on what they feel is their biggest need on the football team. Maybe you patch it up with Devin Bush on a one year, similar to Edmonds. You bring him back on small on a smaller contract, um, or you go out and draft a guy. Um, I, I think Bush is kind of in that weird space. And I think you um, eloquently pointed out um, this is make or break for him, I think, with the Steelers over the last four games. What I was going to segue into is basically what you said, but here's the solution to it. What I would offer up is if we look back at the recent history of the Steelers, they have tried to draft inside linebackers. Typically, the Steelers want to have a solid three-down type of guy, although that differs today um, in, in the special specialty nature of defensive football. doesn't literally have to be three downs, but a, a productive player against the pass and the run, and they're okay paying that player. Right now, that player is Miles Jack. It's not Devin Bush. I would agree. Do you keep Jack next season? final year of his deal like many defensive players right now with the Steelers there's a decision coming on Jack as well uh, do you extend Bush keep them together do you draft okay Buddy Johnson is gone they tried him that didn't work out Mark Robinson was a project we don't know where he's going to be do they throw uh, in Robert Spillane has probably lasted two years longer than he should have in the NFL do they try this again? Every avenue that they have tried at this point, and they've explored all of them, undrafted free agency, high-level draft picks, mid-level draft picks, projects, veteran free agent cast-offs. They've tried everything to figure out everything they possibly can at inside linebackers since the injury of Ryan Shazier, and nothing has worked. Not to a level that we would have hoped, certainly not to the level that we would have had had Shazier uh, remained healthy for the, the, the duration of his career. That didn't work out. What I would suggest is, and this is notable for a couple of different reasons, certainly looking at a team like Baltimore that shoots their offensive linemen uh, quite a bit, which means they jump to the second level um, to, to get to those knifing linebackers to cut off their path. Find some guys that can block the guys up front and let the inside linebackers roam free. Cam Hayward did not play his best game. Cam Hayward has been a force on this team, certainly this season, certainly last season, to a point where, and I've said this many times, I would honestly consider retiring from media and spending a, a solid year doing nothing but trying to reach out to Hall of Fame voters to make the case for Cam Hayward to be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to have a, a, an uphill battle. I'm sure people are going to bitch in the comments here about the defense wasn't good, run game, blah, blah, blah. That wasn't the fault of Cam Hayward. It was the fault of absolutely nothing around him for, for the most part. 
I think it might be better off spending a premium pick on a defensive lineman who can play right away. And that's something they're absolutely going to need. One, Larry Ogunjobi, who's been pretty solid overall, some ups and downs to be expected. Uh, a new player that didn't get a whole lot of camp. Um, he's playing for a contract, and it looks like he's playing for a contract. He's not in every down. He hasn't been the guy that they've needed him to be, but that's not his fault. He's been what they've signed. I don't know if they'll bring him back or not. I know that Tyson Alualu is washed. His time is over. He's done. Cal football. Montravius Adams is probably more of a utility player, not a 30-snap-a-game guy. DeMarvin Leal, all that is man, love the kid. We'll see where he is. Not 100% sure uh, what his trajectory is going to be. We've seen some good things, though. Same with Isaiah Loudermilk, who ended up being kind of the odd man out for much of this season. Hoping both of those two can have a great offseason um, and look to continue to build, uh, you know, essentially become more well-rounded players than they were when they were drafted. You go out and get a dude at, say, 12 to 15 overall, which is where Pittsburgh kind of looks like they're going to end up. Go out and get a dude and help your linebackers, help your secondary, help Minka uh, not have to come in and take on shooting offensive linemen uh, against the run. They need that to some degree. And as I've pounded the table, not in any kind of shocking way, but I've pounded the table for another left tackle acquired in some way, shape, or form because it's going to be really hard for them to do worse than what they have right now. I think their biggest need might be on the defensive line. And if they are able to identify somebody that can chew up blockers as well as penetrate gaps, uh, make a play on the quarterback, basically a Cam Hayward type of player to put inside and with the ability to play outside as well to, to continue with the kind of the versatility theme that they have and they're trying to build. I think they can fix a lot of the problems they have on their defense. And that, that's not saying that, that I'm not getting into anything about their secondary right now. Defensive right. line is clearly an issue for them because they just don't have it. They're just not deep enough. They don't have guys that can play right now. Uh, they might next season, but that's not a bet I'm, I'd be willing to take. They need to upgrade there. It seems like the two at retirement is rearing its ugly head once again. And at some point, I mean, you knew it. It was going to happen. I mean, he was a premier player, um, definitely on the up. The arrow was pointing up. But it was interesting in the comments that you made when you're talking about a tandem on the Steelers. And I'm glad you're talking about defensive line because I want to jump into a couple of stats from the game. Uh, I want to point them out to you and then ask you another question. Uh, when you're talking about tandems, I think when you look at the Steelers' defense, which has been okay this year, I think the more valuable piece is Edmonds. The pairing of Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, is a pairing that they need to keep together. I think that is a very good safety pairing. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick right now is graded out as the number one safety on PFF. And when you were talking about Warmly, how he played very well, he did. In fact, he was the highest graded player on defense in that game against Baltimore with a 90.8 grade. Okay, yeah, um, 90 is really, really good. Warmly, was, 90 is really Warmly good. was effective in this game. That was kind of the, the takeaway that I had from it. Um, it. It didn't make plays so much as he owned his spot on the field. Put it this way, if you don't have Warmly in that game playing the way he did, it's way worse than it was. And to be honest, 
um, it, it could have been a lot worse, and it wasn't that bad at the same time. That's what we talked about on Sunday, Lance. It, it was a weird game in that way. Really quickly, though, I just want to confirm, based on something I said earlier, the Steelers actually have just now uh, confirmed the acquisition of Jonathan Marshall to the 53-man roster. They signed him off the Jets' practice squad, and they did place warmly on injured reserve. Um, his contract is also up. There's a decision to be made there. There's a decision to be made on almost their entire defense. I mean, all of them are in, in one-year contracts or decision uh, points in the, the one-year remaining. In other words, I don't. there are not many defensive players, if any at all, beyond the guys on rookie contracts who are signed past 2023. So it, it's, uh, it, it's something they're going to need to look into, but the Wormley loss is going to be noticeable right away for this team. Yeah, I suspect that Wormley is a guy that they are going to target to bring back, to try to bring back – him on something like the Alualu contract where somehow maybe the Alualu money could shuffle to warmly into a two year, one of those years kind of guaranteed the other structured in a way where they could walk away from the contract in the second year. But let me jump into these stats from the game. Both JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards had more rushing yards than the Steelers running backs. And Huntley came pretty close too. Right. He was only a couple of yards off. No, more than the Steelers, period. Let's say that. And Dobbins' run of 44 yards was as much as Najee and Warren combined. We've been talking about Warmly, how he graded out, how he's a solid player. And we've talked a little bit about uh, the impact of his injury. But how big of an impact will the loss of Warmly have on the Steelers in terms of the depth of the defensive line? some of the packages they play, and their overall ability to stop the run. I, it, it, it'll be interesting. Let's put it that way. We're probably going to see some different things on the defensive line. Uh, Warmly was kind of a mainstay. He chewed up a lot of snaps. You hope to get more out of Ogunjobi, um, but they're going to have to figure out a way to play that, that, uh, that weak side. And with that, um, it is DeMarvin Leal ready. Can Isaiah Loudermilk give you a full game? Um, we say all that just one year after we saw dregs out on the defensive line for the Steelers. I mean, we don't have Henry Mondu to kick around anymore. What was that dude's name? Daniel Archibong. We don't even have a Daniel Archibong this year. So we, we haven't reached subterranean levels with this problem. But we, we do need to consider that warmly – who's a solid player, not a fantastic one by any stretch, um, becomes kind of a mainstay of your defensive line, you don't have a whole lot of depth. This is, a, this is really a big prove-it game for, I, I feel anyway, both Loudermilk and Leal, depending on how they want to uh, use those two players, if they are planning on doing that, uh, if they will play more uh, bigger nickel looks, two down linemen, put another outside linebacker on the field, something like that. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. They're, they're playing a run-heavy team uh, who does a lot of the things that the Steelers don't stop anymore. So defensive line play is going to be critical in this game. And Wormley going down doesn't help. And it, it's not optimistic because Wormley isn't exactly their best player. So uh, it, it goes to, to speak to the lack of depth that they have right now. And it's at least two years in a row now, uh, defensive line depth has killed them down the stretch. Now, in terms of that, though, do you think you'll – I mean, I know it's late in the season. The defense is the defense. Um, 
who do you think will take his snaps and will it affect the packages at all? And, and just, just in general, in, in terms of stopping the run, um, do we see it look the same? What's that impact in your, in your, in your I, opinion? This is going to be one of those things that there, there will be consequential differences. We are probably not going to be able to pick up, pick up on what those are based on the broadcast footage. Um, package wise, like I mentioned, you know, you, this probably isn't a team that you want to play a whole lot of nickel against, but if they're spreading you out, you're still going to need to, they might go with a big nickel. Um, if, if you've got some type of rotation between six defensive linemen, which would be Cam, Ogunjobi, um, Leal, Loudermilk, Alu Alu and Adams. Uh, it, it, it's not as if they're, they're, they'll have a lack of bodies. It's just a lot of those guys have been nothing but role players. You have to worry about endurance. You have to worry about conditioning. Uh, where Leal looked dead to me. I mean, he looked like he didn't have legs at all, and that's because he hasn't played. So uh, that's a concern. Loudermilk has not played a ton of snaps this season either. Uh, Alu Alu hasn't. So I, I, they don't have horses to play. And if they're going to do that, I think they're going to move them around a lot. They're going to have to get creative uh, in how they're packaging uh, the defensive linemen internally. The whole defense package, we'll, we'll have to take a look at that after the game. But by and large, this is what they have. Um, no clue whether or not their plan is, is going to be to work uh, Marshall in, a player that came very well regarded. He, he was a six-round draft pick because he was kind of raw. But the guy, is, he might be the best athlete on their defensive line now. He, he's very athletic, uh, pretty good size. If they work him in, let's try to compare this to last year when they acquired Adams, who had a much higher pedigree than Marshall does. Adams played pretty much right away. I, I, he got on the field. He wasn't seeing a ton of snaps, but they they played him. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Marshall worked into that. Maybe that means one of those guys doesn't get a helmet, but they could have to dress seven defensive linemen in this game uh, if they want to get Marshall in there. And maybe that's the idea. Maybe they feel, you know, conditioning wise he's going to be a, a better position than he's been in um i don't know it, it's it's really up in the air and this is if we want to still continue to fan the the you know borderline non-existent embers of a playoff hope that clearly this is a must-win game for the steelers so um mike tomlin doesn't quit he's not going to to just lay off i i don't think it really matters so much that uh this will be their first losing season in in the last 16 um it's a nice stat to have just because it meant that they didn't have losing seasons but uh this team doesn't deserve a winning season <laughs> I, i've said if for 18 months uh last year's team was not good and they grossly overachieved uh, to some degree i think they overachieved this year as well but it, it's interesting to me the same problems the lack of defensive line depth uh late in the season is really killing them and that that's going to be kind of the death knell for for their playoff hopes this year. And here's a funny thing. When you talk about defensive line depth, and we're going to pivot uh, to the offensive side of football and jump into the main question of the program, if no pick it, then who? Philadelphia has depth on the defensive line. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's when you're talking about depth. They have like a five-man rotation that is ridiculous. I mean, they're going to have, I think I was – looking at their game the other day and they might have four or five guys that may end up getting you 10 sacks. 
I mean, you're talking about when you talk about depth and sacks aren't everything, but when you talk about depth, but it's an easy way to identify production. Um, you're talking about that's depth. It's a lot of scheme into that as well, but yeah, they they have dudes. You know, they in the Eagles. It, it, I've said this for a couple years now. Uh, I, I think Howie Roseman is probably the best all-around um, general manager in the NFL in terms of roster building. Um, they've acquired talent at every level that you can. They've drafted well. Uh, undrafted free agency, they've hit a little bit here and there. They've acquired talent that's done very well for them. Haven't really missed in that regard. Um, they made the right decision on their quarterback uh, that they're not spending a whole lot of money on and they're reinvesting that money elsewhere. And all of that gives them the capital to go out and sign a guy like Ndamukong Sue. That's who they have backing up their players. And Linval Joseph. We have? we have Isaiah Loudermilk. Yeah, Linval Joseph is an excellent example. I forgot about him. That's a, that's a, a premier specialized player that they can pay a little bit more to to come in and just kick ass on eight plays. That makes a huge difference for a very competitive team over a four-game stretch, which is what the Eagles are building themselves to do. They're, they're looking to win a Super Bowl. They're preparing uh, to, to be able to maintain the depth that they have with their starters by you know, hosting and keeping uh, specialized backups that can dominate at a high level in certain situations. Steelers don't have that in any way, shape, or form. And, yeah, that, and that's killing them. I mean, it just there's not much you can do. And again, I I, I love the, the the Demarvin Leal pick. I love that guy. I, I love what he's about. He is a modern defensive lineman. He's a big dude that can rush the passer inside or out in the, the scheme the Steelers play. Great acquisition. Uh, they'll make hay with him. Isaiah Loudermilk was a pick that I, I mocked relentlessly when it happened because literally no one had ever heard of the guy. Um, I have ties into the University of Wisconsin. I know people there that were like, okay, well, he's big, but he doesn't really do anything. He's a lot better than I thought that he would be. I trust the Steelers' defensive line development overall. But you said it earlier. I think the loss to it is still hurting them because they don't have guys that they've trained uh, taking the, the step up to be able to play. That's when you, you put a lot of time and effort into Isaiah Bugs. That didn't really work out. I think he's in Detroit now, though. Uh, you put a lot of time into Carlos Davis, the other Davis, whatever guy named Davis that was there. They Davis didn't pan Brown. out. Uh, they're they're not. They haven't established the depth the way they usually do, which is through uh, later picks in the draft. And they, they've gotten good talent out of that. Al Woods still plays. Do you guys remember that name, Al Woods? Yeah. He's yeah. still in the NFL. I loved Al Woods. I was a huge Al Woods fan. Not surprised he's still playing. He's made a great career think, out of himself. Think of it this way. Think of it this way, Neil, when we talk about depth and, and we'll hop into the offensive side of football. Just yeah, a few sorry. years ago. <laughs> no, 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 no problem. Just a few years ago, the Steelers' defensive line was Hargrave to it in Cam Hayward. Dominant. I mean, that that that's what you call a dominant defensive line. That's why that defense and those defenses – were very good and Hargrave is kicking ass. And just to close the book on the Eagles thing, you know, the Eagles fortified the defensive line by going out and drafting D line first round and getting a guy that's a monster and a savage that's like 370 running a four six that might have been the right. best run stopper in college football all of last year in Davis. So and they draft that guy to play half the time at most. Just yes. come in and completely dominate early downs to set up 
uncomfortable third and whatever situations. And that that's, that's thinking ahead. That's, you know, playing it forward. Uh, the Eagles have planned to do this. They've prepared themselves to do this and they are following through on it now. And that's why, honestly, they're the odds on favor to win the Super Bowl. It's just a really hard team to beat. You have to do a lot of things to beat the Eagles. People don't talk about them in, in, in glowing accolades because we're so blown away by Patrick Mahomes and all the things that he can do on the field. Like, how is Buffalo or Kansas City going to stand up against Philadelphia? Philadelphia just can do everything. They yeah. can make you left-handed and be very comfortable doing whatever they want, especially up front. They will own the line of scrimmage. They're, just, they're, they're an excellent team. Everything about Philadelphia is good. You don't, you don't see that kind of depth anywhere else in the NFL. The Closet of, Eagles fan, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the title of the show is If No Pick It, Then Who? And, and I think that leads into uh, Felicia's point. And Felicia said, help the QB nil. Help the offense. Why spend all the coins on defense? It's a, I mean, you got you, you got to take care of both sides of the ball. Help You do help your quarterback by playing solid defense and putting them in games where they don't have to make a ton of plays to win games. But after the dust has settled and the emotions have subsided from Sunday's debacle uh, with Mitch Trubisky giving the ball away three times, do you still say the Steelers should start Mason Rudolph if Kenny Pickett doesn't go? Honestly, I don't give a flip. I really don't. It it doesn't make a difference. Um, Here's the situation that you're in. Rudolph is an unrestricted free agent the market will set kind of what Mason Rudolph will want to do. I don't think Rudolph would want to come back here, to be honest with you. So uh, he's not an option. Kenny Pickett just sustained – well, excuse me. I, I will be proper media about this. What's truthful and fact, factual is Kenny Pickett has gone into concussion protocol twice in seven weeks. It's not, it's not real – good uh, that 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 very well could be you know a long-term problem you need to have a veteran with pretty good starting experience backing him up next season if assuming that you're going with Pickett, assuming that everything works out trubisky is the one who signed now he gets a pretty significant raise and it, it, it poses the question do you want to grossly overpay your backup versus your rookie starter i don't know but i don't know what choice the steelers have Here's what we know, though. To find a quarterback with the level of starting experience as Trubisky and one um, who is not uh, – one who is familiar with the Steelers and what they're doing, it's going to cost you $10 million. And to be honest with you, the only one that that is is probably Rudolph. So you're not faced with great options next season as far as your backup quarterback goes. But if I were betting right now, it's going to be Trubisky. I don't think they'll cut him. Um, Pickett's injury history has to be a factor in this. You let Rudolph walk. Maybe you draft another Oladokun type of guy if you want to even bother with that. And I don't want to piss off the Uber draft dorks who just freaked out over the Steelers drafting a seventh-round quarterback. (laughs) Still don't understand why – I don't understand the indignation that, that people have to have. Like, you know so much about everything. You're just appalled that they would draft a guy in the seventh round. I really don't think they cared a whole lot. If you really think that they're making hay with a seventh round pick. Purdy. It, if there is. A, well, okay. Yeah, fine. Did we know that? I'd argue up and down its scheme. 
you're going to see Purdy collapse yes. in a week or two because For it sure, always yeah. happens. For they sure. don't know anything about the guy. He's going to come in and do what the team has prepared him to do because they know exactly who he is. Nobody else knows anything about him. So point being, uh, I, I, they would probably lean toward keeping Trubisky. He's on the books already. Their cap situation is fine. They don't need to worry about that. And this is what the cost is going to be for a reasonable uh, uh, starting experienced backup quarterback. That's just what it is. If the difference is $10 million for Trubisky, the guy that you know that you work with for the last year, versus, say, six for Andy Dalton, you're probably going to go with Trubisky. It, $4 million on this cap is not – I mean, it's deck chairs on the Titanic. You're, you're going to pay for that experience. That's exactly why Trubisky's second year bumped up in value as much as it, as it does. Both sides said, we don't know what's going to happen, but he wants more money if he's still on that team the next year, whatever role that happens to be. So to me, it probably will be Trubisky. And nobody, nobody has been more down on Mitch Trubisky than me. Nobody. But he's probably the right backup for them, looking at the way things are right now. Yeah, I think it'll be Trubisky. And I think some of the stuff that you see in the media this week about uh, Mason Rudolph peeking his head out of the... Uh, yeah, we, we it, at, at Sports Illustrated, we took a swing at that story too. It, it's not that it's not a story. It's just for me, it got to the point where it's like, Steelers fan, we write for a general audience. We're not writing specifically for fan bases. But one of my writers, Madison Williams, who's fantastic, please check out her work, big Steelers fan, we huddled about it for a while. And what we kind of landed on was, well, contractually, financially, next season, there's reason to keep Trubisky. There's not a reason to keep Rudolph. So why would you play Rudolph? Why don't you just play Trubisky? Is there really that big of a difference between the two? Probably not. Not at, not at a real functional level. From a vengeful level, my level, we hate Mitch Trubisky. We don't want him to play. But we, if, if Kenny Pickett can't go, we can't help that. So it, it, Trubisky is probably the right option next year. Therefore, probably the right option this week if Pickett can't go. Yeah, just from a football perspective. I mean, Why do, ma- why do we care about Mason's rank of anything? I mean, Mason Rudolph hasn't there. he hasn't played a snap this year. No. And so dressed once. I, I mean, think. you know, so from just from that perspective, I mean, he has not played a lot of football. I mean, I guess he's running scout team or whatever, but he hasn't played a lot of football. You could just argue from that perspective that Mitch had a bad game and maybe you just play the guy that has played football. I mean, you have more unknowns, I think, probably with Mitch, excuse me, with Mason Rudolph having not played really this season than to play Mitch Trubisky. I mean, right now, Mitch Trubisky, in my opinion, albeit not a good option, is probably the better option. And I want to say a a big up to G-Stacks 434. That's a a bot, Lance. Delete it. Oh, that's a bot? I'm kidding. Oh, man. See, I got it. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Okay. I'm I was trying to be sorry. I apologize. I was one of those comments I was saying in my head and said it out loud. I'm, I'm laughing at the idea that we would have a new subscriber, but thank you. It, it's, it was just a. Yes. Mind. Well, I got, I got uh cat. I'm trying to combine a clever way to combine catfished and bot. I got cat body. Cat bot. 
<laughs> no, he says he's we not a bot. He says he's I'm not, not a bot. bot. <laughs> <laughs> no bot. I love it. That that sounds oddly enough like a like a clever phrase that we should incorporate into something. Like if we're serious, we say no bot. No bot. No bot. Cat bot. I like cat bot, and I like bot. <laughs> I got cat bodied. Oh, our team is five and eight, and we have no I got, quarterback. I got cat bodied. Speaking of Kenny, though, can, can, just hold on a second. Can you highlight? I, I want to talk to Felicia here. Close circuit, Felicia. Steelers don't owe Mason Rudolph anything. Okay, he made ten starts. They gave him an extension. He's been paid millions of dollars. They don't owe him anything. They shouldn't have let him go. He's a backup. That's his job. He's going to get the same thing elsewhere. He had opportunities. He put down film. The opportunity the Steelers gave him gives him the ability to go sign somewhere else, and he's going to. He's going to play next season. There's no doubt about that. If, if anything, Mitch Trubisky being on the high end of the, the uh, free agent quarterback market shows you the value of starting in the NFL. When you do that, you add on years to your career. Andy Dalton still plays. It's the second time I've brought up Andy Dalton. He started a game against the Steelers. Andy Dalton's useful life ended like a decade ago. He's still in the league because he started a ton of games. Rudolph's in the same position. Steelers don't owe him anything. The film that he has will get him a job next season. He's not going to compete. Houston's not going to sign him to be their starting quarterback next year. They're going to draft somebody who's considerably better than Mason Rudolph. He's going to be a backup somewhere because that's him. He's a backup. That that's Andy, the situation Andy in Pittsburgh. Funny. Andy Andy Dalton is a GMO food that has no half life. <laughs> he has no shelf life. That's what Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is. cannot be killed by conventional weapons. Yeah, he's like a Twinkie. <laughs> he or will a run the world. <laughs> yeah, like Andy Dalton is a hostess snack that can stay on your shelf for twenty five or thirty years. It'll never spoil. It'll never go bad. And it'll always taste uh, very good. But I did want to ask a question. You know, we're talking about Kenny Pickett. And this involves Kenny Pickett. If no Kenny Pickett, then who? The issue with Kenny Pickett, you know, of course, is the concussion issue. And we were talking about Steeler needs. And there's a ton of needs being posted in, in, in the chat because with a 5-8 and eight team, you need everything. Does Kenny's health put left tackle at the top of the spot, at the top of the charts? in terms of a draft pick? Because Kenny's health has got to be a significant issue in that building. Does that bump left tackle up to the top? Uh, okay. There, there's a misnomer with this that we need to dispel that we're probably going to talk about every show until late April. Healthier quarterback does not automatically equate to poor pass protection, and poor pass protection does not automatically equate to your offensive line. There are a lot of factors that go into that that is not just on the five designated guys who can't move off the line of scrimmage and their job is to primarily stop the other guys from advancing forward. That said, I don't think anything changes the fact they need a new left tackle. I mean, he's just not <laughs> he's not varsity, as Tomlin would say. And they know that there's zero chance Dan Moore is starting at left tackle, barring injury or other catastrophe. There's no way he's starting at left tackle for them next season. They're going to find somebody else. 
The fact that Pickett got hurt, though, on a, a run play, and he only threw once. There were four passes called. Pickett just runs, and this is what's going to kill his career. And unfortunately, this is the biggest problem with Kenny Pickett because he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not cracking off chunk plays with his legs. He's mobile enough to, to move, but he's not breaking guys down in the middle of the field. He has to run to angles. He has to get outside. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. There's value in that. But he can't do that 12 times a game. And he's gotten two concussions already. So put, put that on top of what I'm sure are probably a few others from his high school and college days. His, his, the sand in his hourglass is running pretty quickly right now. You don't last very long getting hit in the head that much at the quarterback position. So protection is something that is established when a quarterback is in the pocket. Pickett doesn't stay in the pocket very long. That is not to say there isn't a problem, but my point is let's call this what it really is. They have a bad left tackle. Their pass protection is going to be strained very similarly to what it was with Ben Roethlisberger under Bruce Arians when Arians had no problem with him taking five, six, seven seconds to throw the ball. If you're not getting rid of the ball quickly and you're not mobile, you're going to get killed and people are going to blame pass protection. It's not the case. You can't protect for five seconds in the NFL. He needs to be able to make a decision and do something with the football. That's the quarterback's job. Pickett isn't all that quick. At, at diagnosing the, the, the field, okay? He's a rookie, 20th overall pick. He's made strides in that regard. But thinking that the addition of a left tackle is going to fix any injury concerns is completely false. It's just simply not going to happen that way. Um, the, I, I've brought up the Bengals, I don't know how many times in regards to this. They drafted Jamar Chase, five overall, instead of, newly minted wide receiver penny sewell who just yes. caught a touchdown pass for detroit Great which is hands. one more touchdown pass than deontay johnson caught by the way targeted on many interceptions but no no touchdown catches that helps protection in the sense that here is a superstar dude who can get open in a second and a half and can catch the ball and make plays after the catch if the quarterback is getting rid of the ball quicker less likely that he's going to get sacked. Huge misnomer was how great Peyton Manning's pass protection was and how great Tom Brady's pass protection was. They got rid of the ball, okay? And the, the, the advanced analytics show the Steelers' pass protection is pretty good because it, under Ben, even with Rudolph in a game last season, they didn't give up a whole lot of sacks because they got rid of the ball. Now, Pickett gets sacked a lot. Trubisky got sacked a lot. It's because they didn't get rid of the ball. So it, it's not just about your, your ability to block at one position out of five on an offensive line. That's not going to it, – it, it protects your quarterback, sure, but it's not going to keep him safe. And that's more schematic. It's more mental. It, it's on your quarterback at the end of the day to do a lot of those things. you got to get rid of the ball. They're not allowed to hit you if you don't have the ball. So it, Pickett got hurt escaping the pocket in a game that he had already run twice in the first five plays. Yeah. He doesn't take care of himself. He isn't protecting himself. You can't ask the offensive line to do that for him. So I, I'm just trying to be clear on what the real value is. Now, in that same game, if you watch Ronnie Stanley, watch the impact he made on their ground game, there's some real value to a left tackle. We don't talk about 
nearly as much as we should. We think left tackle, we automatically, it's all pass protection. Ronnie Stanley, Trent Williams, who again, I will say publicly is the best player in the NFL. Those guys add significant value in the, in the ground game. The Steelers want to run the ball. They're trying to build themselves to run the ball, find a mauler, put him at left tackle, and let's get busy. Let's not make Pickett throw 45 times. If you want to control the game in, in a similar type of way that the 49ers do, 49ers-Eagles, by the way, would be a phenomenal Super Bowl. I, I would die to, to watch that game <clears throat> because they play the game a, a little bit differently than everybody else. They're very advanced, but they're old school at the same time. The Steelers seem to want to do that. They lack a, a big-time playmaker on offense. Uh, they certainly don't have it defensively the way that, that uh, the Eagles or the 49ers do. Uh, but perhaps more than anything, they don't have the versatile kind of offensive line that mauls people in, in the ground game. That's what they need to add. It's more that for me than anything else. Dan Moore is a bad run blocker the same way that he is a bad pass protector. Shouldn't be starting. So the fact that he is, I, it's not ideal, to put it mildly. They'll find another left tackle. Please do not equate left tackle with Kenny Pickett will be healthy. Not the same thing at all. Kneels on wheels. I like that one. Hell yeah. You ever been called that? I, I've heard that. I've heard that. I, I could like that. I could run back in my day. I was kind of fast. Oh, kneels on wheels. For a tall, Ooh. skinny white guy, I was pretty quick. Ah, kneels on wheels. You were Chris Collinsworth. Yes, yes. <laughs> Neil Collinsworth. It's kind of an insult and kind of not at the same time. I accept it. <laughs> hey, 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 Chris was a freak <laughs> in Florida. Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> ushered out the era where a Chris Collinsworth would play in the NFL. <laughs> get absolutely destroyed today. No, Collinsworth was actually a better athlete than what you think that he would yeah, be. He was, you look yeah. at him, he was just gangly and scrawny, but he was like a high jumper. Yeah, you know, I, really I, springy. Even a much better athlete than you think. I, I'm the age where I saw a lot of Collinsworth. Uh, I, I, I'm the age of Collinsworth. Collinsworth is probably only about five or six years older than me, actually. I doubt if Collinsworth is 60 yet. Yeah, he could be. Probably not. Um, yeah, so Collinsworth actually is probably like five or six years older than I am. Yeah, I remember Collinsworth well. But it's great that you bring that up, and that's kind of why I want to. Wow. 63? 60, oh, wow. 63 years old. Born and, and, in uh, 59. And I'm glad you answered the question that way, because that's that, that's why I wanted to ask it, because I I, I – don't feel as if left tackle is as valuable as a lot of people think. Um, and, and I think with the left tackle position, as long as you raise the floor, I think Liel Collins is like the perfect left tackle. Um, no, he plays right tackle, but he's he, he, right. He could play left, but, but he's, he's the perfect type of free agent. I think you bring in to raise the floor at the tackle position. I mean, if they could get tackle play as good as Marvell Smith, I mean, they take that in a minute, mm -hmm. and you wouldn't need to necessarily draft a first-rounder because Marvell was a second-rounder from ASU. You mm -hmm. wouldn't have to necessarily pay a guy a ton. You just want to raise the floor on your offensive line. You don't want – what you, you don't need um, Anthony Munoz, but what you can't have, though, is Dan Moore right. or Dan Less. That's – yeah. You, you Less Dan need, Moore, the better. And, yeah, you know, you need something better than Dan Les, but you don't need uh, Joe Thomas. I mean, you, you you need somewhere. You would love to have a Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas costs you massive draft capital, and then he costs you massive dollars. So it, it's not that you avoid that, but the Steelers, 
in in one way or another, the Steelers have avoided paying tackles big money. I honestly, I it, it's odd to me that that they're so committed to that. But that's like the one thing we can flesh out to say. There's absolutely a rule about this for them. They haven't drafted a tackle in the first round since 1996, and they've gotten good tackles. Their offensive lines, top to bottom, since 96, have been better than not. I mean, we, we can say that. There are some dumpster fires out there, for sure. 2013, 2012, that group was awful. They invested heavily in, in the internal line because they played power. They pull. They, they move the internal guys. That's the, the studs for them. That, that's what they wanted to, to put together. The tackles, they found competent guys. Marvell Smith, Marvell Smith is legitimately one of the two or three best tackles in Steelers history. He was really good. He turned in to be much better than where he was drafted. And anybody would, would prefer that to happen. Um, Lael Collins, you brought him up. I think that's interesting because he went undrafted because of that whole shit show that happened to him. On, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, uh, what, a, what a disaster that was. Um, I hate the fact he's with the Bengals now, but I'm glad he got paid at, at, at some point. Just to address this really quickly, yes, I'm aware that the Eagles and the 49ers are in the same conference. I don't know why I said Super Bowl. I'm stupid. Sorry. Um, but it, the, the tackle position, it's not that it's not important, but we have to look at the history of, of why the left tackle specifically became such a huge thing. Somebody out there, give me, give me a football buff out there who knows why the left tackle became huge. If anybody does, we'll donate to your charity of choice. Give you five seconds. I'm going to segue it. The left tackle as an individual, as a a specific player on the field, stepped up above what used to be considered like an army infantry unit. Nobody stood out. Nobody was better than anybody else. You had different skills that you wanted at different spots, but by and large, the five on the line were the same guy. That's what they wanted until Lawrence Taylor came into the league. Lawrence Taylor started rushing standing up thanks to Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick who had really evolved the 3-4 defense in response to the West Coast offense that Bill Walsh was running in Cincinnati and San Francisco. Lawrence Taylor, who was coked up and didn't know what the hell he was doing half the time, just decided he was going to rush. So he would just go after the quarterback, go after the guy with the ball. And he laid waste to these left tackles that are gigantic land masses with no feet because they didn't need to be elite-level athletes. Then, to counter Lawrence Taylor, countering them, Bill Walsh moved a guard, a backup guard, to left tackle in an NFC Championship game specifically to stop Lawrence Taylor. And he did. Not because he's a Hall of Fame player, but because he had feet. He could move. So the evolution then of the left tackle came out of the fact that they needed a more athletic player to block this freak of nature that rushed the quarterback that destroyed Joe Theismann that sacked Ron Jaworski often enough that he didn't know his name for like five years after he retired his words, not mine. Lawrence Taylor is what drove the evolution of the left tackle position. Now, if, if we look at it, just it, it's unfair to compare athletes today to athletes in Lawrence Taylor's era, but they're all as athletic as Lawrence Taylor was. They're not as Lawrence Taylor was just, he is the king, all that is man. He was doing things nobody else could do back at that point. Now 
they have the athleticism. They're much bigger than Lawrence Taylor is, and they're much better athletes just due to evolution. Left tackles, though, instead of being 350-pound guys that cut weight to play for the season, now they're built more like 250-pound guys who add 70 pounds in order to play. Lane Johnson, if Lane Johnson, yeah, Sewell would be very similar to that as well. Lane Johnson, though, probably the best example of it. Naturally, he is probably a 6'7", 240-pound guy. And he said all the time that the thing that he works the hardest on, working out and eating. He has to add weight. When he retires, he's going to shed 50 pounds just getting out of bed. So the the athlete that comes with the left tackle uh, was designed to counter uh, the the hyper-athletic edge rushers that were starting to come into the league out of the 3-4 defense. And as the Steelers' success shows from the the nine the, the Bill Cowher era, um, it, the the they were able to find guys that could just rush the passer and dominate non-athletic tackles. That's why Joey Porter went in the third round. That's why um, uh, Jason Gilden wasn't a, a high-level recruit. These are guys that racked up a lot of sacks in the NFL because tackles weren't particularly athletic. Now they are. They've they've evolved to counter that. The Steelers have not really considered that to be a high-level point of value, point of emphasis. Alejandro Villanueva, good athlete, not Lane Johnson by any stretch of the imagination. Marvell Smith, good athlete, not a high-level dude. You know, the, the right tackles are evolving in, in, in a similar way now, but the Steelers still evaluate um, more on football acumen and intelligence as opposed to athleticism. Another five-second question answer for anybody that knows this. You know the most athletic tackle the Steelers drafted is? Recently, don't go back to John Cobb. Mike Adams. Mike Adams, by far the most athletic. Mike Adams was a bad football player, as we would all see, up to and including the day that Jared Allen retired him on the field, I think by mocking and ridiculing him the entire time. Mike Adams never played again. Mike Adams was... As rare a physical specimen as you will ever see. Huge dude. Moved like a guy half his size. Very strong, long, big hands. The guy was born to be a left tackle, except he couldn't play left tackle. It was the saddest thing in the world in so many ways. He was born to be a big guy. Yeah, he was born to to (laughs) not be what his career ended up being. He was born to be a Hall of Fame tackle. He was that gifted. He just wasn't good. And I'm going to guess it's he didn't really put a whole lot into it. You have to be dedicated. You still have to work. He just never really did. Um, (laughs) Point being, though, the Steelers (laughs) seem to want to avoid that level of athlete because of the cost. So they find good football players who might not have that athleticism. The other position, Lance, I know that you know this one. Let's see if anybody else does. The other position, the Steelers went 26-plus years without drafting in the first round. Who knows that? Just tell them, Neil. Cornerback. Yes. Who was the first cornerback they took in the first round since Chad Scott? Artie Burns. Artie Burns, good athlete. Physically built to be a cornerback. Not a good cornerback. He's going to continue to play in the NFL, and he still does, by the way. I think he's with Seattle now probably a special teams guy 
but you need veteran cornerbacks. You need guys that, that have played the position before, especially when they have pedigree, size. What, what were the three P's, Lance? Uh, performance, pay, pedigree. Okay, well, no performance for him. Pay is right. He only gets like million, million and a half a year, something like that. Pedigree is good. He was a first-round pick. Um, the, the point in all this is the Steelers have very set things that they go after, and, and tackles are not it for them as far as their, their round one picks go. They don't take them. They didn't take cornerbacks either. Same type of thing. They want physical. They like the size. They feel they can still find that in the draft, but without that high-level athleticism. I don't know if that works anymore because, to be honest with you, if they don't draft a left tackle, I really think cornerback is, is a position they need to, to address um, with, with one of the three premium picks they have coming up. I'd almost guarantee you one of those three picks is going to be on a tackle. Um, cornerback is a very strong bet after that, and I think defensive line uh, would fit in to round out my entire vastly long-winded rant. Sorry, Lance. <laughs> It's okay. Before we get out of here, because we're going on to the hour mark, I don't know if you guys noticed, we have not talked about the Steelers versus Panthers game at all. And that's I mentioned probably, it. And that's largely due to the I fact it was that, uh, that uh, both teams aren't very good. The, a, the, the NFC South is probably the worst conference in football. But let me give you my three keys to the game and my prediction as we wrap the show up and give me yours after I do mine. Number one, you got to cloudy and muddy the picture for Sam Darnold, famously saying on the sidelines against the Patriots, I'm seeing ghosts. You got to make him see ghosts. You got to cloud the picture. Secondly, obviously, you got to stop the run. They've got to do better against the run. They want to run the football, not really an explosive passing game that they're putting out there with Darnold. And they got to not turn the football over. I mean, we saw that their inability to stop the run and them turning over the football was largely uh, two of the big reasons in which uh, reasons why they lost to the Ravens. So I'm picking the Steelers actually to go on the road and, and get the dub 24-20 over the Sam Darnold-led Carolina Panthers. What's your thoughts, Neil? It, it's, this is so hard to pick for me because these teams are so similar in so many ways. Um, I don't think I almost, I almost feel a tie. It, it's, I'm not sure who's better. I really think that this is just going to be, let's see who shows up that day. And you would normally go with the home team. Um, the Panthers are playing for quite a bit, just in the sense that they have an interim coach who I personally, I think is doing a hell of a job. I mean, he, he resurrected this team. And that was done after they gutted it. I mean, they, they traded McCaffrey away as quickly as they could after they fired the head coach. They, they've managed to improve within that. Now they've won three of four. Now, granted, it's, it's odd that, you know, they kind of face the equivalent teams the Steelers have. Both teams beat the Falcons. Both teams lost to the Ravens. Uh, the, the, uh, the Panthers have picked up wins over Denver and a pretty solid win over Seattle their last two and now they're playing at home. So it, it's, I don't, I don't know if I could bet against either one of these teams where they're sitting right now. Um, <laughs> not that I'm impressed with either one of them, but I, I I'm going to take Carolina. I'm going to go 20 to 17. I just, I, 
you're either getting multi-concussed Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky under center for the Steelers, who still might be worse than multi-concussed Kenny Pickett. I don't think the Steelers' offense is just going to be able to do enough, and 20 might be light for the Panthers as well. They can run the ball well. Um, it comes down to making Arnold see ghosts. Is Arnold the guy that they're going to go with? For sure. Not a good player. We know that. Um, what did he do? 14-24. Yeah, they, they ran all game. In, in the win over Seattle. Um, 23-17, Panthers. I'm going with that. 23-17. And with that, we are going to head and conclude the program. We have hit the one-hour mark. Thanks, everybody, for chiming in again, man. Please like and subscribe to the program. Thanks for the new subscriber who is not a bot, by the way. <laughs> not bot. Not bot. Um <laughs> He is not a cat bot. <laughs> That's the greatest. A cat, cat bot. bot. A catfish bot. We got, we got to uh, find a player to nickname the cat bot. You know, a cat bot. But with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude the program. Thank you, everybody, for hopping on. Thanks to Fifi for hopping on after her graveyard shift. <laughs> <laughs> and T-Stacks 434 just type, not, not a bot. Well, that's all it is. <laughs> G Stacks. Ironically, it's very Thank robotic. You. Not Thank you, G Stacks. Make sure you spread the word G Stacks so you can get a tandem. Uh, uh, we can get Bot Bot in here. Uh, so we can get Cat Bot and Dog Bot. Anyway, but anyway, let me get out of here. Uh, see you after the game, G Stacks. Um, but anyway, let's get out of here. And as always, happy holidays. Oh, before we get out of here, man, RIP to Mike Leach, man. Hell of a football coach. Um, hell of a coach, man. RIP to him. We haven't uh, even unraveled the impact on yes. the game of football at two levels, if not three. Yes. Um, yes. I don't think we will for a generation. People don't yes. understand how far let's, ahead of the curve yeah. that guy was. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about it on uh on, on Sunday's program. But with that, we're gonna get out of here. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.